It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it, because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. They don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now... To your hosts. Hi, welcome into another edition of Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Red Sox. First, I guess, real off-season edition, even though last week kind of was an off-season edition of this show. Uh, Lauren here with myself, no Jess again this week. He just got back from his honeymoon, so we're not going to make him join us. Last thing he wants to do, I'm sure, besides sleep, is be with us. So um, we're going to talk. Of course, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook, Red Sox Beat Podcast. Uh, if you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, that'd be great. Uh, a lot of stuff to get to this offseason. More playoff baseball to talk about at, at CLNS Media on Twitter. Of course, you can follow the network as well. Uh, Facebook, we're on there too. And, of course, the mobile podcast app on iOS and Android. Free. Obviously, all the podcasts are on there for the show network, not just us. So go on there and check it out. Um, we're recording this on a Tuesday because things happen. And then now we're watching the Celtics lose Gordon Hayward, which is very depressing. So we're trying to record this after that game lost to the Cavs. So we'll do our best here to not talk about the Celtics, but, um, look, th- th- we have some news to talk about here. We're going to start going back to our half hour shows. We're officially in the off season swing, which is sad. I know Lauren, but, um, it does, it's getting colder here in new England, which means baseball is not going to be top of mind, but we're going to talk, uh, the big news of the week. John Farrell, no longer the manager of the Boston Red Sox. And I am saying this with a huge smile on my face um, because literally this is all I've wanted. I've been on the fire Farrell bandwagon since day one. And look, maybe he's not the worst manager in the world, Lauren, but it's time for a new voice and it's about time this happened. No, it's it's funny because we all know I'm a huge Farrell advocate as Jess is too. We're both on that Farrell train. Um I Nana, Nana was too. Your Nana was. Oh my God, my grandmother. She was, <laughs> she was really excited for it. But um, it's funny because he was fired on my birthday. And so instead of getting like happy birthday text, I was getting, you got the best birthday present ever. Seriously. Farrell's fired. And my grandmother called me at work and she's like, you know, Farrell was fired. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. She's like, thank God. He makes me sick. So, <laughs> So obviously, like, 
it was it was shocking at the I guess at the timing of it because I was expecting maybe it not to happen so so quickly, maybe after the playoffs and after the entire World Series is done. But at the same time, we know how Dombrowski works. He wants to get in there. He wants to, you know, he wants to make his changes and he wants to make it quickly. So I'm shocked at that at the timing of it. I'm not really shocked that it happened because I've said I'm not surprised if it's going to happen. I'll be either way. I'm I'm not going to be surprised. Yep. What happens to Farrell? I know he won a playoff game, one playoff game in the last two years. So it's kind of like an improvement from last year, but at still the same an underachievement. Time, still a massive underachievement. Exactly. He didn't get past the ALDS. He only won one game. You had Chris Sale, Rick Borsello, Drew Pomeranz, David Price out of your bullpen. You had all these factors that worked for you in the playoffs that didn't work, unfortunately. And now we're here. So at the end of the day, it's the right decision. Um, coming from a huge frail fan. <laughs> so at the end of the day, right decision. Um, shocked at the timing of it. Not shocked at the actual decision. Um, I'm pretty excited to see who's going to be the next manager, even though I think all of Red Sox Nation and uh, me and you, Jared, I think we know who it's going to be. Yep. But I'm pretty excited to, um, I said last week, to me, exciting offseason. I didn't think it was <laughs> exciting offseason right now. Yeah, and I'm surprised, honestly. I kind of I kind of assumed it would come after the World Series, if anything. Um, I think, you know, they unwind, really think about it. But it coming this soon, and, and we'll get to the next steps in a second here, but coming this soon really shows me that Dombrowski really just didn't want Farrell here. Um, and all the comments he made when he had that press conference was, you know, um, someone even asked him, like, did the amount of, would the amount of wins or the, the, the distance you could have gone in the playoffs affected John Farrell's job test? And essentially he said no. He said no amount of wins would have affected our choice here. So he knew from the beginning this wasn't his guy. He didn't want John Farrell here. He clearly had lost the clubhouse. We go back to it, but the David Price incident happened because there was nobody in that locker room. And um, another factor to that is Pedroia, and we'll talk about him in a little bit here as well because um, we have some options for that guy too. So, look, to me, Dombrowski wants a new voice. I don't know if he ever liked John, having John Farrell as the manager. He, like I always have said, he would have been fired if he didn't have the cancer. And I think Dombrowski just pulled back because ownership wouldn't probably let him get fired because of the cancer situation. So now John Farrell's not here. He gets fired on Lauren's birthday very quickly. And the timing of it, to Lauren's point, really was quick. And I believe, and I know you, you agree with me, Lauren, it's they just didn't want to miss out on who they want as their manager. Because there, there's there's plenty of options out there. You know, Alex Cora is the name. Brad Osmus is the name who just got fired from Detroit. And uh, Ron Gardenhire, who is the bench coach for our good friend Toy Lavulo over, over, over the Diamondbacks. So, look, there's a lot of options. And, you know, there, there's kind of pros and cons to everyone. And right away, Lauren, Brad Osmus was looked at as the favorite because of his ties to Dombrowski. Yeah, I think as soon as Farrell was gone, everyone was saying, oh, Osmus is going to be in here as the yep. manager. Because of the ties to Dombrowski, which that's a fair assumption, absolutely. And um, he's brought the rest of the Tigers back to, to, to Boston, so like, why not, not like, be a manager too? Exactly. Like I said earlier, I know how Dombrowski works, but I think he wants what's best for this team. He has seen, obviously, two years in a row that Farrell has not been the best for this team, regardless of him being not a terrible, like not a perfect manager, not a terrible manager. He's been a a decent manager yep. for over the five years. And he inherited Farrell, which I think a lot of people f- seem to forget, is that he inherited Farrell. He inherited a lot of this team. So now it's really, say he hires Cora, say he hires Garden Hire, 
if they, you know, if the Red Sox come out next season and they fail in the ALDS again or they don't even make the playoffs, then it's on Dombrowski. And he, I think Dombrowski realizes that. So he coming in and he's like, I need to really stick with a manager who's going to do me some good and give me a good name and not put throw me under the bus. Yep. And I think that's why Osmus was omitted so quickly in this in this managerial search is because I mean we saw we saw Cora. We know exactly like what Cora does as the bench coach out in Houston. Mm-hmm. We've seen Garden Hire and but we've seen this team fail under Bobby Valentine. We've seen this team fail under John Farrell. So Dombrowski has a lot of pressure on him to hire a manager where it's going to be like, okay, let's not fail in the ALDS. So yep. I think that's why Osmus was omitted so quickly where he's like, okay, I saw we did in Detroit. And as much as I love Detroit, you got to go. Yeah, and I think the biggest reason for me why Osmus is not the right choice is because David Price likes the guy. And I hate to throw David Price under the bus, but you know, for David Price, he, he's a guy who this team's going to look to to be a leader in terms of his performance next year. He's probably going to be healthy. It looks like he's getting better. Um, and you do have him next year, right? He has one more full year before he has the option to opt in, opt out, whatever he wants to do. And that's going to determine how next year goes. And if you really think you want to keep David Price long term, you need someone in here who's not afraid to kind of stand up to him and make him feel uncomfortable, but in a good way to make him see how difficult it is to be here and, and how it takes to win. And I think Brad Osmus is a good manager. He kind of got screwed when Dombrowski traded away the farm and then bolted. Um, and obviously that's a concern about the Red Sox here too. But that being said, I don't think he's the right guy because he doesn't know what it takes to win here in Boston. And right now they need someone who does. So right away, Osmus for me was not a good choice. And I'm glad that they, they came out and said that, you know, it's not going to happen. So that's good. Um, Garden Hire's interview is going to be this week, Wednesday, it looks like. So, you know, he could be an option, but he's also an old dude. Um, and I don't know if he can keep up with this team. So out of those three guys, Alex Cora makes the most sense. And I know a lot of people... Lauren, we're up for Jason Veritek, and I think rightfully so, right? I, I think it's just been the name, since he retired, it was. He'd be a great manager. He'd be a great manager. So the name just keeps getting spewed out. The team has had him do stuff around the team, So, but like, so is Ortiz, and I don't think Ortiz would make a good manager either. So like, it's one of those things where you have to kind of see it. And now look, I think Veritek would be a good manager, but he's never even coached before. So it's not the NBA where you can just throw someone in like Jason Kidd and expect him to do well because you're letting the superstars run the team, which is how that league works for the most part. Um with this, you need someone who knows how to manage a clubhouse. And I saw it earlier suggested with the Alex Core situation because it seems like Lauren has a lot of reports that Alex Core is going to be the next manager, and that's who the Red Sox want. And that makes sense of why Farrell would have been fired so early, so they can make sure they got Cora. But a bench coach of Jason Veritek wouldn't be a bad thing. You know, no. someone, someone who can be there, help get his feet wet, you know, and establish himself alongside someone he knows and he's played with. And then help be in that clubhouse daily. If Jason Veritek's in the clubhouse daily, what will that do for your mentality? That'll be huge because he knows what it takes to win here. He was the captain here, but he's not ready to manage. And I think Alex Core is based off what he's been doing for Houston. Um, Alex Core needs to be the guy, but Jason Veritek is a bench coach. Now that's an option I'm worth considering and worth talking about. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny because when um, Farrell was fired, I posted on Twitter that I don't want Veritek here. I don't want him as the head coach. And I got a lot of backlash for it. I was kind of surprised that so many people wanted him as a head coach. And my main question was, why? Like, yeah. why? Do you, what makes him a good manager? And nobody could really give me a solid answer. It was mostly um, 
He you was a catcher. Team. He was a catcher. Well, he he's won here before. He's a catcher. Yeah, but some catchers yep. don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and the thing is, he was part of that historic collapse in 2011. And I have nothing against Veritak. He's an amazing catcher. Uh, his offense wasn't, you know, perfect, but he was an amazing catcher. He called an amazing game. And I just don't think he would be good as a coach. And um, my main thought is that he wouldn't be good as a coach because he doesn't want to be a coach. And if you put somebody, you throw somebody in there and you're like, oh, hey, you're the manager of our team now and they don't want it, it's not going to end well. But as a bench coach, oh, absolutely. I think he would do fantastic things for this, for the catchers. He's worked with the catchers closely. I think he'd do fantastic things there. But as a as a managerial position, I don't see him taking on that kind of responsibility. And people are like, oh, what makes Alex Cora so good? Oh, I don't know. Like you read articles about him. Like he knows this team. He played with this team. He gets along with David Price. He speaks multiple languages. So that's good that he can communicate properly if he needs to with certain a certain number of our players. And it's we've seen what he's done in Houston. So why not? Like, why not take that chance on somebody who wants to be a head coach, who knows his team, who can get along with David Price? And it, I hate saying that, but you need somebody who gets along with all these players new, who can connect with them on every every level at this point because we, we want to go past the ALDS. We want to go past the ALEs champs. We've been ALEs champs for two years in a row, and it's done nothing for us. So bringing in a new manager, bringing in a manager – know Alex Cora like I said who knows this team is something important for not just the players but for the fans as well yeah and like I said it seems like Cora is the top candidate you know to to really jump in here as that you know next manager of the Red Sox and you know he is obviously the bench coach for the Astros but he has experience you know um, he's been coaching for a couple years now and it, it looks to me that the experience coaching on a team that is full of youth as well as some veterans. That's like what they're trying to do here, right? It's the same situation. They're built the same way. Uh, I think obviously the Astros are built a little better, but that's why they're playing for the World Series potentially. But look, I think the way Core is set up is right now he's helping run a team that is set up to win with young kids and trying to kind of build a culture. He knows how to do that, and he knows how to handle the city. And out of all the people that are out there as candidates besides including the crazy ones like Ozzy Gee and all that crap that's been thrown out. Like overall, it just makes too much sense to have Alex Cora here to not even look at it. And like he interviewed with the Mets, I believe today, Tuesday. Um, I know obviously his Red Sox interview was over the weekend. If I was the Red Sox, I wouldn't let him get to his next interview. Don't let him go to Philly. Don't let, don't let him go anywhere else. Just screw it. You know, if you want to interview Gardenhire, that's fine. But as soon as Gardenhire walks out of Fedway, call Alex Cora and offer him the job. Because, look, that this is the guy that needs to be the manager of the Red Sox, and it makes too much sense. No, it does. And I think, like you said, you, you said it perfectly. Don't let that guy get to the next interview. Or even if, you, even if he does, like, let him walk out of that interview with the Red Sox knowing he has a job there, which it almost seems like that's the case because... I think they did you know, that, Brad, to be honest and honest. Like, I'm pretty sure they did. <laughs> I really do, too, because the whole awesomeness thing, like, he was... I think he was high a high candidate because Dombrowski, Detroit, the whole thing right there. But the fact that they come out and I know Dombrowski works quick, but the fact that reports come out that Osmus is like, Oh, he's not our guy. And Cora is the main guy right now. 
where it's like he probably walked out of the interview and Dabrowski's like, we're going to call you in three days. You have this job. Just bear with us because we have to interview other people. We're going to kind of span this out. I guarantee you tomorrow they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we signed Cora to a two-year managerial but yeah uh, like, like you never know right you, after we record and they, yeah seriously it always happens like that look at farrell he's fired like the day after um yep. look the way this probably works is you're right you know he left and said they left and said look you're our guy you're who we want we're going to interview others you can go to your next interview we're not going to stop you you have your right to do that obviously good luck with the astros but you're going to get a phone call in a couple days and you're going to be our next manager if you want to take it we would love to have you. You know the city. You, we want you here. We see your vision of being a manager, and it's going to help us take that next step. And so it's going to be intriguing, and there's a lot to do that. So the, the Alex Corey is your next step, and we're all kind of assuming that's going to happen at some point soon. So if you passed Alex Cora more, and there's a lot going on, right? So um, there's a lot of decisions they have to make, and I think there's a lot of things to talk about, and, and we'll get through all those throughout the offseason here on the on Red Sox beat. It's the, it's the bat. It's the leadership in the clubhouse. It's things like that. Um, Pedroia is the big one. You know, Hanley and Erod have had, had surgery since the season's ended. Hanley posted, you know, post-surgery, laying there in his hospital bed, um, ready to go. Um, Erod's going to be out at least six months, so he he's not probably not going to be ready for the beginning of the season. But you know those guys have a choice, right? They had their decision. They had um, their surgery, and they're going to get healed. Pedroia is a different story here. So they're going to decide in the coming weeks with Pedroia what he wants to do with his knee. And, like, it really didn't even come to this until I thought about it and Lauren mentioned it to me before we started recording. Why doesn't this guy just retire? He should. He, You know, it's funny. I was talking to my brother today about it, and we were talking about, you know, Hanley and Erod having surgery. And I was like, oh, Pedroia is going to decide in a, in a few weeks. And he's like, nah, he's just retired. Like, he's done. And he's been saying that since the whole uh, Manny Machado incident, you know, at the beginning of the season in April, which seems like years from years ago now but I feel like I love Pedroia with being you know the the dirt dog that he is I love the way he plays the game and I've said earlier um in this show that I didn't like that he threw his teammates under the bus in April with the whole Manny Machado thing and oh that's not the way I play the game and the whole Eckersley incident where it's you know really unconfirmed if he whether he clapped or not for David Price yelling at Dennis Eckersley but Mm -hmm. You know, he's in his late thir- or mid-30s, and it's not that I don't love the way he plays the game, but I don't want him to injure himself any further going into, you know, a new season where we have, I don't, I mean, we don't really have a huge backup for him. We have Nunez. We have, uh, you know, Bogarts, who can play shortstop. Nunez can play can come up and Marrero, I don't really want to see Marrero, but... At the same time, we have the options where if he retired, it wouldn't be a huge deal. But I would hate to see him retire the way that he did because I think he deserves more. He, I think he deserves to go out in a much a much better fashion. Yep. But at the same time, I did lose a lot of respect for him over the season because of that whole thing with Machado and Eckersley. But I don't think that calls for anybody to retire. But at the same time, like I just said, he's in his mid-30s. It's really hard to play the game as you get older, especially with knee injury. I just, I think it's time. I, if I'm going to give my opinion right now, he needs to call it quits. He needs to have that surgery. It's it sucks. I don't want to say it, but yeah, exactly. It's time. I mean, I've been calling to trade this guy for a couple years now. I just think 
you would have gotten some good for him a couple years ago, right? You trade Dustin Pedroia, Dirt Dog, help you win a World Series, give us some pieces mm-hmm. back, maybe rebuild the pitching staff that they don't have in the farm system. But look, this guy is 34 years old, phenomenal career. Like, no one's crapping on his career. Rookie of the Year, MVP of the Year after he won the Rookie of the Year award, like, helped you win World Series, multiple All-Star selections, leadership potential, but never really wanted it, which is kind of the downfall of what he was built up to be, right? It was this Dirt Dog. Um, but, you know, there's a situation where if he gets the surgery, he's going to be out a little bit. If he doesn't get the surgery, is he going to be 100%? And do you want him playing at that point? Hasn't been good in the playoffs for a while now, and that's why you need people here is to be good in the playoffs. And if you keep Pedroia, and if Pedroia's here, then what do you do? Because now you've got to worry. you got to make really tough decisions. You really want to keep Nunez. You know you do. He should be your everyday second baseman next year. And as much as I love Pedroia, Baltimore happened. Machado incident happened. That, should, that shouldn't happen if you're the leader or if you're a guy in a veteran situation here at the Red Sox. Eckersley happened with Price, and he went along with it and cl- supposedly was clapping and, and was happy for it on David Price's side. shouldn't happen. Um, and you need a clubhouse leader, and that's part of it. And he's, he's part of the problem at this point, in my opinion. And then you have the incident where John Farrell gets tossed in his final game. There's no reason why John Farrell, as much as I love the fact that he got tossed, no reason in, in, at all why in the world John Farrell should even have to come out of that dugout because PD should have just said a couple things, walked away. At that point when Pedroia was going off, that shows to me what he is. And he's a selfish person in the sense of he was arguing and he knew at that point he wasn't getting tossed. John Farrell was because he knew his manager was coming out to get him. And as soon as that happened, that's John Farrell arguing balls and strikes and he's going to get tossed for that. Right there, that's, that's three things this year, Lauren, that speak highly negative of a guy the Red Sox Nation loves. It's funny because I remember last week when we talked about um, Farrell getting tossed, but with the whole Pedroia thing, I was like, oh, they'll be able to sell this to you know the Fairweather fans, and they'll be, they'll be able to sell Farrell as a manager who sticks up for his players. And it came to bite him in the ass and whatever. And But at the same time, I almost, I mean, Pedroia had a lot had a good reason for arguing balls and strikes mm-hmm. because that, that that strike call was terrible. I mean, there were a lot of questionable calls that night. But, I mean, Farrell comes out. He's defending his players, which I absolutely love. I love when managers come out. I love when managers get ejected. I love that about baseball. But I feel like, you know, watching it back and kind of going over everything in the last week, I'm like, oh, was that Farrell's last ditch to kind of save his job or was that Pejoria's last ditch to be like get this guy off my team and with everything that went on with Pejoria this year it's kind of hard to kind of balance it out because you know you have on one hand when you know Farrell loves his players he's a players coach we've said that a hundred times on the show but then you have Pejoria who's just kind of dirt dog he's in there for his team so I mean I don't know it's it's kind of hard for me to say because I love the both of them but I mean Farrell absolutely I mean I, I like that he came out and defended his players but should he have gotten ejected I don't know you don't yeah I, I know the whole thing you don't argue balls and strikes whatever but in the back of my mind I'm like oh Pedroia knew exactly what was going on because he's like I want this guy off my team I'm gonna do what I have to do even though he had totally valid excuse to argue that that strike call I think he knew at the end of the day, if he's going to get in that umpire's face, Farrell's going to come out and make sure he doesn't get ejected. And even though Farrell's on the hot seat right there, he's, he's going to get fired. 
Yeah, and at that point, you know, it just it shows how much he's been struggling too, right? And like, um, in a his career in the postseason, um, if this is right, which I believe it is, because Baseball Reference, I trust, um, he is a career two thirty three hitter in the plate in the postseason. Like, that's not what you think Dustin Pedroia to be. He's come up with some big moments. Yeah, I get that. Earlier on in the career, you know, some of the numbers might be skewed, but he is a career two thirty three hitter in the postseason. You can move on from that, and and especially it's been th- that number is lower because of the last couple years. You know, there's nothing really above 200, uh, if not 250, in the last so many appearances in the playoffs. So, look, I, I've been on this train for a little bit now, so I'm a little biased in the sense of I think it's time to move on from Adroya, but I think it's going to start to come up more and more because of the locker room situation, because of the clubhouse problem that this team has, the culture, and if Alex Cora comes in here, and or whoever. When I'm not going to be biased, but when Alex Cora comes in here and, and, and starts to really put his fingerprint on this, you want it to be with people who are ready to go, who want to be here, who are ready to be leadership because any veterans on this team need to be leaders or they're not going to go anywhere. So if you have Pedroia and Price together still, that can be a problem. And so for me, I look at it as if you're bringing Alex Cora in, Pedroia can't be here. If you're bringing Gardenhire in, then maybe Pedroia can be. It's just a matter of who you want your manager to be. And if Alex Cora is coming in here, he's not an old dude. He's a younger guy. If Alex Cora is your manager, Pedroia cannot be here because Pedroia will walk over Alex Cora. And that's not good for what this clubhouse needs. I think he will try to walk over Alex Cora. And, you know, same thing. I'm not trying to be biased, but Alex Cora is, you know, 99% going to be the next manager here. It's looking pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) It's looking good on Cora's part, which is great for everyone else. But I feel like, you know, if... Pajoya tries or uh, Cora tries to walk all over people um, or Pajoya is going to come in and try to run his mouth and Cora is not going to have that regardless of Cora's age. I know he's younger. I know he's, you know, he's not Farrell's age, but I feel like he's not going to take any BS from the players who come in with the players who have been there regardless of how long they've been there. I just, I kind of see Cora as a no BS guy. I hope so, and and I think that's what they're banking on. But you know, Pedroia did play with him, and they were teammates. I think that's a problem for some people. So I don't know. I think if they bring Cora in, that's a very big sign to me that they're looking to really shake this thing up. And you know, it takes a lot for Lauren to agree that Pedroia might need to retire. <laughs> um, it does. It, so it really does. I, I think at that point it might be time. Um, but but overall, you look at this team, and, and they need that presence, and they just don't have it at the moment. So they really need to think about it. They need to figure out what they need to do, and obviously the manager decision needs to be step one, and we'll obviously let you know, so don't don't forget to follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure to kind of feed you the breaking news when it happens. But look, Alex Cora needs to be your manager. Pedroia needs to either take a backseat or retire. Um, and this team needs to really make some tough decisions here. And moving forward, this team really needs to figure it out because, and this is my attempt at a segue here, the Yankees aren't going anywhere, Lauren. This this team just took over, basically, the American League East by coming out of the wild card game after a tough start from Severino winning that game. Then they're down 0-2, just like you were in the ALDS, only they come back and beat the Windians in Game 5 in Cleveland to go to the ALCS go down 0-2 against Houston, the team that just beat you, and now tied up that series in the ALCS 2-2 tonight with a good win when they were down 4-1 in like the 7th. So the Yankees, Lorna, for real. And I know you hate it. And obviously, as a Red Sox fan, I hate it, but I also love it. Because 
this team, the more the Yankees are successful this postseason, and look, at this point, I think the Yankees might go to the World Series the way they're playing. They can, this team can't be stopped. And the more the Yankees do this this year, the more pressure it puts on the Red Sox this offseason to really do something to solidify them as the best team in the American League East. Because right now, it's not them. It's the Yankees. No, and it's funny because I was watching the game tonight, and it was right after uh, Gordon Hayward went down with his nasty injury. We're not talking I'm about like, that, Lauren. We're not talking about that. But it's perfect because I was like, the only thing that can make this night worse if the Yankees came back and they and they won this game. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stop talking at this point because clearly it's, <laughs> it, whatever I just said sparked the Yankees. Um, and it's, it's, it's crazy because, you know, I, the Yankees came back down. They were down 0-2 and they beat the Indians. And I was like, oh, they have no chance against Houston. Houston takes a 2-0 lead and all of a sudden it's 2-2. Now we have ourselves the series like if Houston won tonight it would have been 3-1 over so, at that point yeah exactly so I'm like and then I know the whole like Red Sox 04 thing they were everyone's like oh don't count them out blah 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 but I was like all right the Yankees I hate admitting it but it's like they seem to be the real deal right now and I hate saying that because I feel like I don't want them to peak too soon because I love a good Red Sox Yankees rivalry and I want that to continue for years on. But at the same time, like I watch this team and I'm like, what's going on? Because the Astros, the Astros are an amazing American League team. They're an amazing baseball team, not just American League. But I mean, I have, I would, I mean, not now from my predictions from, you know, two or three weeks ago. But I would think, you know, Astros Cubs, that's exactly what the World Series looks like right now. So I'm like, what the hell is going on with with baseball but this is exactly why i love baseball but then i'm like this is why i hate baseball because the yankees i i hate the yankees but they're so fun like they're so fun to watch like you can't you can't take your eyes off the tv it's a really fun team that's the problem for a lot of red sox fans they're a young team with some veterans to help support them um like the astros are but they're a really fun team as much as you know you'd hate to hate them aaron judge is a phenomenal player to watch i love watching aaron judge play baseball he is but all those strikeouts this postseason Home runs are fun, though. Uh, Home so, runs are fun. That's what makes but... baseball better. But, look, on the other side, you know, you have the Yankees tie this up, and good thing for them because the Dodgers are going to probably sweep the Cubs the way they're playing. They're up 4-1 right now. And, look, this we'll, – we'll get to that in a second, but with the Yankees situation is this team right now has nothing to lose, and that's huge for them. Houston – Best team all year, except for that when Cleveland took them over because of that streak. So Houston and Cleveland had a lot to prove, and I don't think Houston loses this series yet um, because they still have the advantage in starting pitching. When it comes down to it, they have Keiko and Verlander to end this series, and that's huge, right? So I think you still have to lean Astros the rest of the way, but it will be a fun, you know, push to, to push to four wins here for those two teams. But um, the Yankees have nothing to lose, and I think that's a big part of it. They, regardless, if they lose the series, great. They're back. They, they made a push a bit longer than they needed to. They'll come back next year and have expectations. If they win, it's holy crap. They're going to the World Series in the wild card game. They weren't supposed to win, blah, blah, blah. And the story continues. Oh, yeah. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth there. They're fun to watch. And this is a really good series. Yep. And this is exactly why I love baseball. It, they're fun to watch. This, this whole series has been fun to watch. You know, Houston's up a couple of runs and the Yankees tie it late late in the game this is this is exactly what playoff baseball is about so I mean it's been crazy it's been unpredictable I think we all had the uh Diamondbacks going to the World Series yeah I messed that one up (laughs) but 
this is this is what makes it fun. As much as I hate the Yankees, it still makes it fun and it makes it watchable. Like I am looking forward to getting out of work every night, going home and watching a Yankees game, which I never thought I'd say in my entire life. But yep, I mean it's this is playoff baseball. We never know what can happen, and especially as Red Sox fans, we we know we you never know what can happen. Yep, and. So, obviously, that's going to be a fun series to watch through the end. And, obviously, most of us are rooting for Houston. But at the same time, uh, Yankees are, are, are making one hell of a push there. On the other side, the Dodgers, who we all thought would fall flat on their face. Diamondbacks would be in this situation. Clearly, they didn't end the season well. But I think they've just got bored. Because they have been playing phenomenal baseball since the playoffs started. And, and I'm pretty sure, Lord, it might have been a case that they just really got really bored. Um, because tonight, now, this is a game where you come home, you're the Cubs. Do what the Yankees do, right? Win a game. See what happens after that. You Darvish came in, and th- this is why they traded for you Darvish, right? Texas was in a situation that they didn't need him anymore, and the Dodgers went in there and said, you know what, screw everybody else. We're the best team in baseball. We want you Darvish to come here and be our number three. This is why. You're up 2-0. You, you go on the road, give you Darvish the ball. He goes six and a third and was lights out. And now you have a 4-1 lead in Game 3 against the Cubs, looking like you're going to go up 3-0. You might even sweep the Cubs the way you're playing. And at this point, if anyone beats the Dodgers this year, the rest of the way, it would be shocking to me. They have to win the World Series the way they're playing right now. I mean, the way they're playing right now, it's absolutely. I mean, it's funny. My brother and I were talking tonight about how uh, just teams have been so weird this postseason and um head uh managers have been so so weird like you know you know Farrell kind of obvious you know ALDS he didn't get out but Joe Madden he's just been I mean he's been tossed once this season uh once the series and he's just been awful and it's been weird we've seen AJ it was AJ Hinch is AJ yeah I think it's AJ. the Astros and we've seen him we saw you know saw a weird uh reviewable play tonight with the Yankees but I'm just like it's so weird every I mean teams we don't expect are in the playoffs or in deep in the playoffs management has just been really weird over these teams mm-hmm. and it's this is exactly like <laughs> and I think it's slowly <laughs> starting to come back into form though right so like the Dodgers are the one team right now that really are like okay screw you guys we're the best team like we just we're, we're messing with you you got punked Where's Ashton Kutcher? Yep. Pull the cameras out. Like that—that's what happened with the Dodgers. Um, Cubs, tough year for them. "Quote unquote" tough. They just—they still won the division. But you know, this team might just come up a little short this year, and I, I don't expect them to win this series. But you know, it's guys like Justin Turner hitting a walk-off homer at home on this—the same date. I forget the number of years um, that Kirk Gibson hit his homer in the World Series to the date. A dude from the L.A. area, grew up a Dodgers fan, now in the postseason for the Dodgers that are supposed to win the World Series. I was surprised, and they even asked him about this when he hit that walk-off homer, that they asked him, oh, did you, were you thinking about doing the Kirk Gibson uh, fist pump down the, around, running around the bases? And he's like, I thought about it, but I figured I'd save that for the World Series when we get there. Like, <laughs> this dude, it's guys like that that make me love baseball. Like, Yasiel Puig, great. You're awesome. You almost got kicked out of baseball going back to the minors. The Dodgers hated you. And look, you're beloved again because you figured it out and you're not a complete asshat anymore. Like, awesome. And I love Yasiel Puig. I think he's a good character for baseball. And that, man, is he going to give one heck of a locker room celebration if they actually win a World Series. But Did you did you see his whole thing like 
with the whole bat flip thing. Yeah, I did. His explanation was like, oh, I didn't know the bats were that slippery. <laughs> Puig's, I love the dancing from Puig. That's the best part. When, when they like, oh, I when, love it. When it's like a ball and it's close, she like dances around the club, on the, around the batter's box, and then comes back into it, kisses his bat, and keeps going. Phenomenal I character. That. That's I love what, the baseball celebrations. That's what baseball needs. And I think that Puig's a good character. But, you know, this baseball postseason has been great, and you're, you're getting some good competition. The pitching's been pretty good since the beginning of the beginning of the postseason, and obviously it's going to be very upsetting when we lose baseball for good when the World Series is over. But we got a little bit of time before that happens. But it lo- it's looking like Dodgers versus to be determined for the World Series before our next show next week, um, unless the Cubs pull off a miracle um, after they're about to go down 3-0, and I'd be surprised. Um, but it looks like they're threatening here, so we'll see. But it's looking like Dodgers, maybe even Yankees in the World Series. That'd be a nice little LA, <laughs> LA-New LA York matchup for the World Series title. At that point, I'm rooting for the Dodgers hard. Um, oh, absolutely. Hard. But we'll wrap it there. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook, search Red Sox, um, search Red Sox beat podcast. As soon as the Red Sox hire Alex Cora, we'll let you guys know. <laughs> uh, make sure to check out Sionis Media, of course, um, as well as we are their show. And, uh, of course, check out the uh, mobile podcast app as well. And, of course, this whole show has been brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel Fantasy Football for everyday fans. You get new contests starting every week, no busted seasons. You get something for everyone, lots of contests to choose from, all starting at just $1, less than a cup of coffee, people. Got to get in it. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. Lauren and I have been doing FanDuel as well as Jess since the beginning of the year. It's been phenomenal for all of us. Yes, we've had some up weeks. We've had some down weeks. But um, you check it out. Uh, if you go to FanDuel.com backslash Red Sox beat, you can get into our listener league every week as well. Um, a lot of things going on. Patriots doing well. You want to pick up Brady for a week or is he too expensive? You know, Teddy Bridgewater's coming back. Maybe that's a low value if he gets back in this year. Lauren, FanDuel is just a great way to excite everybody to play some football, fantasy-wise. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like you said, there's no busted seasons. That's the best part because I have four different season-long leagues where I have Greg Olson and just injury after injury. Thankfully, I don't have Rodgers, but Ooh, yeah, that's, just, rough. <laughs> that, that's a rough loss. But it's, it's amazing. Like you said, every week there's new contests. And you get to draft a new team every single week. So, yep. you know, say you drafted Aaron Rodgers last week, you don't have to worry about him this coming week because nope. you can draft a whole new team. So it's it's fantastic. It's been fun, and it's been it's been a really interesting season with all the injuries and mm-hmm. just how the how every team's been playing. I mean, the New York Giants beat the Denver Broncos <laughs> on Monday Night Football. Seriously, so with no like, wide with no wide receivers whatsoever. But no yeah, wide receivers. Nobody. And I on Sunday night, not Monday night. But it's it's just like wow, like. I have the Giants defense in one of my season-long leagues. Who would have ever thought they would have gathered all those points? But you have Denver's defense, throw them away, and you're fine next week. Seriously, and it's great. And, you know, uh, you have over 2.5 million players right now have one cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. If you want to stack up with the Eagles, whoever, or whoever's playing the Browns, if you want to take whoever's playing the Browns and make them your lineup, probably a smart decision because the Browns are terrible. Um, of course, if you want to sign up today, you go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use our code REDSOXBEAT. If you try FanDuel for free with no deposit, Visit FanDuel.com to claim your free contest and play for a share of $10,000. People, it's a lot of money. Go check it out. Sign up using our promo code RedSoxBeat. That's FanDuel.com, promo code RedSoxBeat. Void where prohibited. Um, that's a week. First off-season edition, fully off-season edition, 30 minutes. Like I said, up-to-date information with uh, Alex Core hiring hopefully this week. Dodgers are now up 6-1. 
So that's looking like it's going to be a win for the Dodgers here as we finish the recording. Uh, that's Lauren Campbell. I am Garrett Scally. Next week, Jess Thomas should return, as far as I know. So we'll get the gang back together. His first show as a married man. We'll see how that goes. Get his take on the John Farrell firing as well. And uh, we'll keep you up to date as the offseason rolls along here for the Red Sox. CLNS Media, Red Sox Beat. Talk to you then.